0: Welcome to Beyond the Reiki Gateway, a podcast reserved for the spiritually curious. Journey further with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy through in-depth conversations, many featuring inspiring and intriguing special guests to enrich your unique spiritual progression.
1: Change is in the air here at the show. Please stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear our exciting news. Jackie Vera Montez is an author, an educator, an EFT and energy psychology practitioner, a Reiki master, and a yogi. She loves working with purpose-driven individuals to provide tools that transform people-pleasing behavior, anxiousness, and patterns of low self-worth. Jackie utilizes evidence-based tools, including mindfulness, breath work, and as I said, energy psychology and EFT, otherwise known as tapping, and more. Jackie's also the author of the bestseller, I Can't Believe I Dated Him, The Art of Knowing When to Break Up, When to Stay Single, and When You've Met the One. She is an advocate for women's rights. And she travels internationally to empower women rebuilding from sexual abuse. Jackie, you are a busy, busy woman. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today.
2: Thank you so much. I'm I'm excited to dive in.
0: Thanks for that wonderful intro. Just listening to that, Jackie, I was thinking, oh my gosh, she's got like three whole life paths all into one life. (laughs) True. So when Kathleen says you're busy, I second that for sure. And I noticed Kathleen said that you're a Reiki master on top of all of that. And I think you got started with that pretty early. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and and how you arrived at EFT?
2: Yeah, it's a big story, the Reiki journey. But I did. I went to my first Reiki training when I was nine years old. So I was in third grade.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: (laughs) I credit everything I know about healing and doing holistic work to my mom. She got into Reiki. It's actually a big story after my brother died when I was little. So it was a traumatic accident and my family was grieving. And my mom was in a very, you know, we were New York commuters, commercial producer, and obviously his death completely rocked our life. And she gave up her career and started seeking ways to heal our family from grief and all the symptoms we had. I had PTSD and she found Reiki. Reiki was the only thing that she found to relieve that heaviness. She said it was the first time she felt herself again when she was on the Reiki table. So she immediately started bringing myself and my sister with her. And two years after she started bringing us on the table to appointments, she was taking us to trainings because where are you going to bring your kids when you're going to a training? So she brought us along with her and we got trained right along with her. So I still remember the exercises. So it's been a huge part of my life since I was little and really in the grieving process and also in helping with anxiety
1: that I had after my brother's death.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah. Powerful story. Indeed. Well, I'm curious, do you still practice Reiki?
2: I do. So I have a son now. I have a two-year-old, but I reiki him all the time when I'm like rocking him to sleep. Sometimes when my husband's going through it, we'll do a little session. I reiki myself all the time when I'm going to bed. And I do have a few remaining private clients where they just call me for reiki, but it's mostly EFT. But once you know Reiki and you have that mindfulness of energy and what blockages could lead to different things, it's always in you. I always say I use my Reiki background in my practice, but I'm not doing table work anymore.
0: Right. Makes sense. Learning Reiki early on, what did you do next? What was the next thing that you studied? Well,
2: I told you my mom went into healing. So she was an energy therapist. I did not want to be anything like my mom. I went into journalism and said I would not do healing work. But I ended up working at a school that had a lot of trauma. And I could see that the kids weren't going to learn if they weren't going to be in their body, if they were emotionally dysregulated. And I thought, however much I love Reiki, it's not something that I at the time could bring into a public school system. So I started looking into other somatic practices that would be more palatable to a school district, especially a public school district in LA. And I found EFT, so emotional freedom technique. And the Ortoners were huge with that at the time, and they were bringing it into schools. So that was something that just clicked for me. And long story short, within a few months of seeing that first YouTube video, I was out of training for that. I knew about it because I was very anxious and my mom knew I was very anxious, and she saw a YouTube video and sent it to me. And just tapping from along with a video with someone I never met, I felt my stress and anxiety reducing just from tapping these stress reducing points. I already was familiar with healing and those body practices. So when I got sent an EFT video, it just clicked like, wow, this is something anyone can use. It's really palatable and it's really science-based. So that's how I got back into the healing world after trying to exit it.
0: (laughs) Right. And you mentioned science-based Jackie. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we're tapping on certain points of the body. And I, I don't know if everybody listening is really familiar with EFT and what that's all about and why it might work. Can you help us understand a little bit?
2: I'll totally give a brief intro. So EFT, it stands for emotional freedom technique and it's pressure points on the face and torso. And I could even just point out where they are with my words for people listening. But there, if anyone's had acupuncture, it's the same as the acupuncture points, but with EFT, it's supposed to be super easy to use. So they chose points on the face. So the inner eye, the outer eye, under the eye under the nose, under the lip, along the collarbone, and then under the arm, like if you're crossing your arms. And all of the points, while they're acupuncture points associated with different meridians, they also are connected to your amygdala, your fight or flight response. So as you're tapping or touching these points, it's like a little off switch to your amygdala. I tell people it's like a little walkie-talkie to your nervous system that says, right here now, we are okay. We are safe. We do not need a ton of stress hormone to get us through this moment. So that's why it's science-based. You can even hook yourself up to like a brain scan or I forget the name of the machines they use, but you can see as you're tapping that cortisol and the stress levels are going down significantly just from five minutes of tapping.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Wow. That is, that's great. Okay. I have a question about this. this you said something that kind of piqued my interest. So the tapping involves, is it only the torso and face areas of the body or does it move into the legs or the lower part of the body?
2: Yeah. The main points are the face, collarbone, underarm, top of the head, but I use other alternate points all the time. They call them alternate points, but yeah, there's the outer thighs. That's your large intestine. So you can tap the outer thighs. People even listening could just tap left, right, left, right on the outer thighs there's the ankles. So you can tap the ankles, which you don't suggest that you do if you're pregnant, because it can get things moving there. There's so many other points. I use the finger points with people. So putting your hand out to shake. These are great points. If you're just anxious and out, you don't want people to see you crazy tapping your face. You can (laughs) tap your fingers (laughs) or your wrist. You can hold your wrist. That's a good one.
1: Oh, nice.
2: Yeah. That's um, our Pericardium points. So I could tell you the meaning of all the points and when you could use them, but the face ones basically hit every single major meridian since each organ is known for detoxing a certain emotion. We just hit all of them versus acupuncture. You have the points along the entire meridian that you can use that each have their own benefits and use cases. We have one main point for each meridian. So we're detoxing anger, frustration, sadness since all of those things are contained in one symptom, usually, you know, you have a headache, it's frustrating, it's sad, you're anxious about it. So that's the, the overview of it.
0: So yes, many other points. Thank you. We're talking just about the tapping. And then you're mentioning different emotions and processing the emotions. And so there's more than just tapping, right? Aren't there words that go with it? Or it's, more of a system, right? Exactly. They call it the basic recipe is one of
2: them. So you could just tap the points and that would be like a nice flush of stress, nurture your adrenals. But what I love about EFT is you can use it to kind of decondition what stresses you out. So you could just lower stress and tap. But if you are afraid of flying, if you're afraid of public speaking, if you're stressed out by your (laughs) in-laws. Insert stress trigger here. You can hold that in your mind and speak out loud what stresses you out while tapping. And what that does is you can focus on something that stresses you out, tap the points, and that teaches your brain to stay calm the next time you face that stress trigger. Does that make sense? Yeah. So a a lot of tapping, you'll see people are saying it out loud, like, The basic recipe is where you tap and you say like, even though this stresses me out and you might say what that is. So even though my upcoming flight is stressing me out right here and now I'm okay, or I deeply and completely accept myself by saying those words, you're keeping that monkey mind focused instead of jumping all over the place. But you could, and what most people don't know is you could just visualize it. So you don't have to necessarily say it out loud. The point of saying it out loud is to keep that monkey mind super focused on a stress trigger. So as you tap, it's like retraining your brain to not get stressed the next time you face it. Okay. I'm super visual. So I love to just like visualize the upcoming flight, feeling the turbulence, hearing the seatbelt come on while tapping. And when you start tapping, it's like you feel all that stress accumulating in your body. And the more you tap and breathe and stay focused, it doesn't get worse. It actually starts to get better. We're like, wow, I'm starting to feel calm, even though I'm picturing that seatbelt sign or I'm picturing that turbulence. It's really beautiful in the retraining process. So that's why you use the words. And I could totally walk you through it if you need.
1: That's really awesome. I should share that with my daughter-in-law who has a terrible fear of flying. <laughs> it would probably help her. I have a question. You're talking about reconditioning the brain. It sounds to me as if you're talking almost about like neuroplasticity. Is that correct?
2: Totally. I teach EFT to counselors and that's what we talk about is neuroplasticity. You have neural pathways, for instance. Every time she's had a bad flight or watched a movie with a bad flight, etc., that's going to make her little thought of, ooh, flying scary, get bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you have a lot of experiences that make something scary, that neural pathway in your brain is going to be really big. It's like a highway. What makes it a supercharged highway in your brain is all that emotion. So I think Joe Dispenza said trauma without emotion is wisdom. So you could be like flight turbulence without emotion is just wisdom. So if you were to work with her, you're taking all that emotional charge out of the flight, out of that neural pathway. So the next time she's boarding that plane, and her little old atrophying neuropathway is saying, you should be scared. She can't access that fear anymore, because she's tapped through it. It's like, "Mm, yeah, I should be scared. But like, that doesn't resonate. That's why it's truly neuroplasticity. Because if you keep feeding the fear with your emotions, it gets stronger. Versus if you take the steam out of it, you're no longer feeding it, and then you can d- redirect it. Like flying's fun. It means I can see family. It means I'm going to be in a nice, sunny place soon. And you can use tapping to reinforce those neural pathways or those mindsets that you do want, which is fun. You can do tapping to like really bolster the positive as well.
0: You just answered that for me. I had the question, and then you put it right out there. So we can deprogram what we don't want and program more of what we do want.
2: Yeah, totally. So for instance, public speaking is a good one where you could tell yourself over and over again, oh, just be yourself. <laughs> or everyone loves what you have to share. That's why they invited you. I used to be definitely afraid of public speaking like this right here talking to you would have been a living nightmare. Oh, And now it's what I do for a living. What you can do is once you get the emotional charge down, once you focus on like, oh my gosh, the next public speaking so scary. And you tap until it doesn't feel scary anymore, then you can go, well, how do I wanna feel? So that's a question I always ask people. How do you wanna feel in an ideal world? So it's like, I want to feel authentic. I wanna feel like I'm generously giving myself. And I love bilateral tapping. So that's just instead of tapping one side or both sides, you tap left, right, left, right. That can studies have shown amplify positive emotions. So you get in that feeling of like, I'm myself, I feel loved, I feel seen, I feel safe. And you get a really good sense of that. And then you can bilaterally tap and that can help amplify it. There's a really good book, Tapping In, where she talks about how you can use tapping to amplify positive mindsets and emotions.
0: Oh, but just to clarify, you would want to calm and get more neutral first and then do the amplification of the positive, right? Not just try to do the positive right off the bat, correct?
2: Yes, yes. I tell people, if it sounds like you're lying to yourself, it means you're not ready for the positive.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah.
2: So you definitely want to work on those beliefs and mindsets that are making it feel like a lie, like, no, I'm not safe. (laughs) 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 It's almost like the dark side of manifestation culture where you're like, I'm a millionaire. I'm London. I'm this. And it's like, you're lying to yourself because you have all these fears. Or you're looking around at scarcity. First clean out what's making it feel like a lie. Make a list of the moments that make you not believe it and tap through those and then move into the positive when it feels true. And I'll, I'll even say, you don't have to be a hundred percent there, but there's tapping where you say, even though part of me isn't there yet, part of me is open to something new. Part of me is open to this changing. And to anyone who hasn't tapped just the basics, so they're like, what do you mean saying it? You to always start the tapping round by acknowledging those two parts. So like even though part of me is scared, I accept myself. But as you move into the positive, you could say, even though part of me might still get scared or anxious about this, part of me is ready to show up differently. Part of me is Open to feeling better. And you can start to ease your way into that more best self, ideal self, higher self.
1: By doing that, you're not lying to yourself. You're being truthful. You're honoring how you feel, obviously. And so that can definitely help. And every time you do this, though, you're creating those new neural pathways, correct? You're creating new highways, hopefully.
2: Exactly. Like every time I say, even though I'm anxious, I accept myself, I'm creating a neural pathway that says I accept myself even when I have imperfections. And the more emotional, so the first time I say that with someone, they look at me with like a little question mark eyebrow, I don't accept myself. That's why I'm paying you to get rid of this anxiety. (laughs) By the end of the session, they're like, yes, I deeply honor myself. I honor my inner child who has every reason to be anxious. I honor the parts of me who have survived things and my body that has survived things. And by the end of the session, when they're saying, I accept myself, they might be crying like with that. We've all had those moments of like deep gratitude and self-compassion. That's neuroplasticity. That's showing you there's a lot of energy and emotion moving down that belief of, I have compassion for myself and my scared body First, I accept myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not, that's that energy. Anyone who does energy work, you can tell when someone says something and there's energy behind it, whether it's fearful energy or whether it's super juicy, beautiful, compassionate energy. So you're always trying to trauma without emotion as wisdom. It's like, you're trying to turn off that. Negative, I hate to call it negative emotion, the unwanted emotion, and trying to dial up the desired emotion.
0: I could definitely see the benefit of having a guide through this, a practitioner guide you, because I think I could get lost in the weeds of my own stuff pretty darn fast if I just tried to set sail and do this on my own. So, I can really appreciate what you or other practitioners in your field that service to provide the path and what to say, how to say it. And also, probably some accountability, I would think, with the people that you're helping as far as keeping it real, uh, not fooling themselves, you know, in a certain way, but a certain level of accountability emotionally. Because I think I know. A lot of people, including myself, somebody else. Oh, how are you? Oh, fine. (laughs) We say that so. Oh, I'm fine. I'm great. But we all know that that is most often just that surface thing that we say. Yeah, I could definitely see the the benefit of having you or practitioner guide the individual through the process. And the fact that you brought up the YouTube videos, and there are YouTube videos like this that help for people just maybe curious and getting started. That that's really interesting too. I'm curious about what is the inner child? Because I think there's a lot of talk out there about inner child, but it's kind of thrown around a lot without a lot of context, I think, for people to grab onto and be able to identify it in a personal way with themselves. So if you could just share your, I, I don't know if I want to say definition, but your understanding of what the inner child is, and its role in our healing.
2: I agree with you that it's a buzz thing right now. Just even taught a workshop on inner child. And I just feel like everyone I keep seeing it on social media. And I do have something to say about YouTube tapping versus with a practitioner tapping. But yeah, inner child, I think, Dr. Nicola Perra, I don't know if you follow her, the holistic's psychologist, she's made inner child work so popular and kind of more in the mainstream. People should definitely check her out. Oh, the inner child's so layered. I I love inner child work. My super simple definition is the younger part of us that lives within us at all times. The reason we're afraid to get up in public speak is because a younger version of ourselves was probably made fun of or saw someone else made fun of when they got up and let themselves be seen by others. A lot of inner child work deals with like the wounded inner child. So that part that was made fun of, or was made to be small, but there's also the magical inner child. So I like to talk about both. There's that younger part of us that says, yeah, get up and dance, even though no one's dancing yet at the party, like you want to, or let's go just like create and make something magical or let's be silly with our kid and like get into make believe, we all have that younger part of us that's both magical, but also wounded. I think the inner child's in us always helping us, whether wounded or magical. And that, that's what I work with people on is even if you have a younger part of you that you think is holding you back, part of you that has low self-esteem, that learned to have low self-esteem when you were bullied or ostracized as a kid, that part of you is cropping up right now so you can heal it and then expand. I also think about it like that. Even if you feel like you had a lot of wounds in your childhood, the reason you know you have them is because you feel limited. And even the awareness of being limited gives you an opportunity to go back and talk with your inner child. So that's what inner child work is. Instead of acting like it's your issue, you're not enough or your money issues or you go, oh, maybe this isn't necessarily my present day issue. Maybe this is my inner child. And what if I just put my hand in my heart and said, how old is this? And it's surprising how often we can tell like, wow, this started when I was seven or this started when I was 14. In its most simple form, inner child work is just connecting with that part of you and maybe having a little chat, having a little chat and meditation. And I love connecting inner child work with somatic therapies. So doing breath work or maybe doing a Reiki session before so that you're relaxed. I tap with people while they talk with their inner child. And it's really powerful because all of a sudden it's your compassionate highest self talking to your really scared or insecure inner child. And it lets you observe your problem instead of being in it. That's what I really like about it. And it lets you have compassion for your problem instead of judging yourself because it's a lot harder to judge like a seven-year-old who's scared then it would be yourself. Yeah, its simplest forms like, go ask yourself, how old is this? When did this pattern start? And then just go imagine you could talk to them and counsel them and reparent them. And that's like another buzzword, like reparenting. Reparent, yeah. And reparenting is just holding space. Reparenting can look like a lot of things. It can look like rescuing them. It can look like standing up for them or having boundaries, like giving them discipline maybe. That's a little bit more rare. Most of my clients... Your inner child needs a lot more compassion than what they got. It always looks different every session, every person. It's such a layered thing, but that's my little simple way of thinking about it.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: Yes, thank you. I would venture to say that probably most of us have an inner child that needs healing. Oh, yes. If you don't, you might be lying to yourself. Right. And even as you were discussing what the inner child is, I'm familiar with inner child, but as you were describing it, I had memories beginning to surface. And I I think I realized where my terrible, terrible phobia of mice comes from. (laughs) And my mother is deathly afraid of them. And I probably saw her freaking out every time she saw a mouse when I was growing up. And so... Now I do the same thing. And it's ridiculous because I think they're cute. I don't dislike them. They just terrify me. So that was interesting. Just you talking about that. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. <laughs> well, that's interesting because it's
2: not necessarily like you had this mouse encounter <laughs> that, that scarred you. It's like you watched someone who was afraid. That's what's cool about inner child is we inherit so much from our parents. So, so many people would say, ah, there's no reason I should feel this way. There's no reason I should be anxious. You know, I had a great childhood, but if you observed people who are anxious, if childhood is your first classroom and it teaches you how to be, how to feel, how to think, what
1: lessons would you have learned? You would have learned to be scared of (laughs) mice, Right. And you talk about the uh, inheriting things from your parents. Unfortunately, I passed along my fear of mice to one of my sons, who happens to be a somatic therapist and a Reiki person. (laughs) And he's always like, thanks, mom. (laughs) We have a family legacy of snake fears. No one in my
2: family likes snakes. I'm like, whew, got to reprogram this.
0: What about influence from past lives? If we're going to go back to inner child, then how about we rewind the tape even further? Do past lives also come into play here?
2: Oh my gosh, I love talking about this because I don't get to a lot.
0: Totally.
2: Some clients will go there. So, in EFT or inner child, you typically flow from how you're feeling now to like, when did this begin? And some people say, like, oh, I was born with it. And maybe that means womb trauma or inherited from your family. But sometimes they're like, I feel like it's a past life. I'm totally willing to go there. And I've tapped with people the same way I do on a memory, just a memory of their past life. So maybe they're seeing themselves as a different gender in a different country and a different time, whatever feelings or patterns were showing up in that memory are affecting them now. So yeah, we could, we could. if you have questions about this, let's, let's go into it. I think it's fascinating.
1: I would love to have some examples of that. I am a trained past life regression therapist, so I obviously go there, (laughs) but I would love to hear about that from your point of view, some examples, perhaps uh, what you've encountered, if that's okay with you.
2: Yeah, totally. I don't know if this is too heavy, but it comes up a lot for people and it can clarify things for people. If you've ever been a woman in this life or a past life. Especially if you've been a woman in past lives, you've most definitely encountered some kind of sexual abuse. It's just so common. And if you've had multiple lives, which most of us maybe listening believe in, I've worked with a lot of women who have a lot of vulnerability around their body or not feeling safe in their body, or they don't feel safe with their partner. And my practitioner brain goes, oh, maybe there's something in their past. And, you know, s- sexual abuse is really common, or even just the ways we betray ourselves and our body as we grow up. A few times, and even in my own personal healing, going back where they don't have anything they can point to in this life, but they go, I just feel like I don't feel safe around men, or I don't feel safe in my own body. I feel like my body might be used in some way. We go back and we work really gently on moments in the past when it wasn't respected, like women weren't respected a generation ago, let alone, you know, hundreds of years ago, and really working through what it felt like to be treated truly as an object for bargaining. And those have been really powerful sessions of just letting out their rage, almost like I'm valuable and just kind of tapping and being like, I have a voice, I have a say I should have choices over who I marry or what family I get sent to and how I'm treated and what I wear, and just like really getting to empower that voice that we have now more than we ever have as women in history for that past version of self who didn't have a voice. And it was very dangerous to have a voice. And that, that's actually where it came up. I was trying to think of like, was it not feeling safe in intimacy? But I don't know if, about you, but when you do energy work, you kind of like forget the details. Now I'm remembering it. It's like, oh, I feel like I just don't have a voice. Like, I feel like it's unsafe to have a voice. And it's like, well, did anything ever happen to you where you said something? A therapist might go, did you ever say anything and said nothing bad happened? Okay, then why do you think something bad will happen if you have your voice and stand in your power? Your family was very supportive of you. It's like, well, if you've had any life in the past, man, woman, X, Y, Z, you've had a past life where it was not safe for you to stand in. And what if you went back and tapped and worked through it like a real memory? I literally could lose my life for speaking up. So of course, if that's still in my energy body and I'm in this life, of course, I feel super scared to step out on my own. Oh, I thought of a, a specific example. I had terrifying, crippling fear of starting my own business. And I worked all kinds of ways on it, like different money patterns that I grew up with, didn't have the healthiest money patterns. When I did past life work, I just keep getting the sense that I can't do it on my own. Like I have to be under someone. And I was working for a very prominent, strong male figure in in this life. I can't go off and be on my own. Like something bad will happen. Not consciously, but that in that energy body feeling. And when I closed my eyes and tuned in to when did this start, I saw this image that's not my life. Oh my gosh, if you were, I was still silly to share, but you guys are so into it. Oh, if <laughs> I was one of the many women in the past who was living, you know, big, powerful men might have five wives, a harem of women. I felt like I was in that one of those five wives. And I really, I kept hearing this voice over me being like, you can't go off on your own. Who will you be without me? Who will you be without me? And that's what I was feeling in this life. Like, who would I be without this boss? How could I go off and do a thing? And it, it clicked. It made sense. Of course, I literally couldn't go off. But I actually did some tapping work where I'm like, well, I could have left. I could have left and go started an herb shop and found a community of midwives and worked with them. So when I, I walked myself through like, well, how could I in that era have separated myself from a powerful man and made my own way? And like the dangers were real and just knowing like, oh, the dangers are real and it's different now, super big. Oh, one other example, just because it's also so common. I have a son now, but it was a struggle. It took like four years and we ended up being able to have him naturally, but that final year was really hard and anyone who's gone through this knows like every monthly cycle is devastating grief and my friends couldn't understand why it was so heavy and why I was like grieving so heavily each month and i just said like it just came out of my mouth like i just feel like my son's like missing in action and someone got mad at me for saying that how dare you compare this to having a son who goes off to war and is missing in action. But it felt so true when I said it that I did some past life work and like kind of checked in and I do muscle testing. And did I have a past life where I had a son who was missing in action? I got a yes. And I worked on it and I could connect with that imagery so clearly. And I tapped through that grief of that mother around like what it would feel like every month or every time you went and checked the mail. You would every month be thinking, getting your hopes up. And anyone who's waited to get pregnant, it's like that feeling of like, I get my hopes up every month or every letter I open up, maybe they have found him. Maybe they have found him. Maybe I won't get my period this month. It was so similar, the energetic parallel. When I worked through that, I cannot tell you like night and day difference. It literally went from a devastating dream to like, oh, bummer. I guess it's not the time yet. It's not time yet, could feel light and trusting, and I'm a very spiritual person with a lot of hope, not the time yet, but before that was a lie to myself, because it felt like just like a mom being like, "Not the time yet to find out your son's alive." like that's never going to sound cheery." So once like, I cleared that, it could be cheery,
1: not as time yet. So that was really big.
0: That is amazing.
1: Those stories are very powerful, and I, I do thank you for sharing those, because those are, you know, quite personal. And I have to say something, because you're talking about how these things are with us in our you know, current lives. When we come into a body in our current incarnation, our cells have the memory of everything our souls had experienced. So sure, we come into a body and all those memories of all those past lives and all the good, the bad, and the ugly are there. And they're just there in our cells. So, being able to access that information and release it uh in this lifetime is an incredible gift. but I have to say, I never thought about it from the perspective of doing it with tapping, and you've really given me a lot to think about. Thank you for that.
0: Oh, so powerful. I have a question too. You get these insights and you're able to go there and perhaps your your clients go there. What if the person doesn't really remember or they're not sure that something happened. Can you still work with it in a way that gets a result, gets healing to occur without all the knowledge? Such good questions.
2: Yes. In trainings, we'll do this a lot. And a lot of people don't even remember childhood, but you totally can. So there's like three different ways I'd say is one, a lot of people know it's related. Like say you're working on money blocks. They're like, well, I know, but I can't remember. There's that kind of not remembering. And you can just tap and say, even though I have this money block that I feel like success isn't for me or my family. And I know it comes from my dad, but not sure where it's different now, or I accept myself. And just tapping and saying, I know it comes from dad. I'm not sure where. And just saying those words, like, I'm not sure where. I can't really remember. I'm not sure where I can't really remember. It's a technique called sneaking up. And as we relax the body with the tapping points and say it, sometimes the memories bubble to the surface. So it's like, do you have a sense? Like, I know it kind of comes from teenage years. can't remember a memory. I know something happened when I was a teenager. I can't really remember when suddenly the clarity comes because they're turning off that stress brain and the clarity comes into focus. So there's that kind of not remembering. And then there's the not remembering because it's like a trauma capsule. Oh, I literally just blocked out the memory. So you've been told, so maybe your parents told you something bad happened, or maybe you're like two years old. So you don't have a conscious memory. You can work, they call it just your remembered memories. And they know so much about memory now that, like, what we say our memory is, and then reality, it's like all different, all the same. <laughs> so I'll just ask people, well, if you had to guess what happened, and that's just as accurate and it works just as effectively in studies as if you actually remembered. And as we know, if you actually remembered it, you're probably remembering a memory anyway. <laughs> so you can do what you guess or what you've been told. So, you know, if you were told the story of your birth, For instance, a lot of people have birth trauma, and I love working on that because that can really heighten your anxiety levels later in life. Well, what do you know about your birth from what your family has told you? And you can just go off what they said because it's in there. That memory in ourselves, like you were saying, Kathleen, is in there, whether we consciously remember or not. And then third, if you just can't remember it, but you know, there's something there. There's something, there's a technique called chasing the pain. It's really like chasing the sensation. And you just tune into the sensation in your body. And like you guys are saying, our body remembers. It's like that book, the body keeps the score. So if there's like sinking weight in your stomach every time you have to pay for something, like, oh, there's some kind of trauma around money, right? I don't know where it comes from. I've just always had this. You can just tune into that sensation and tap and that's actually a really simple way to tap on your own is you don't remember anything you don't think about anything you just stay super in your body and you tap as you follow that sensation as it moves and changes so i'll tell people what color is it what texture is it how much space is it taking up is there a sound to it and depending on people's learning styles or processing styles they'll have all different amazing visuals or senses and you could just tap and It's crazy. It'll start in a singing pit, then it'll become constriction in the throat, then it'll be like a red buzzing in the head. And then sometimes it'll just leave or it'll dissipate. It'll turn into it'll like alchemize into something else. I just always tell people like, just trust that that was something your body's holding on to, whether you consciously know what it was or not. And you're in any anyone could understand you're releasing tension from your body in a visual way. So that's also how you can work on memories that you don't actually remember. And that's considered one of the, there's like three gentle techniques in EFT of how to work on trauma. And that's one of the gentle techniques. So even if you did remember the trauma, a lot of practitioners would guide you not to remember it because that could be re-traumatizing. And first you would do this technique. So first let's take power back. Let's feel the feelings that are left over from that event and release them so that maybe next session, we can go and remember the details and work through them. But let's spend this whole session in your body, helping it feel super relaxed, so that your body feels safe when we actually do approach a trauma. And that's how we know it works is, it's like we would choose that over remembering
1: the past event. I like that. It's like layering the uh you know, you're gently peeling back the the layers instead of just ripping off that band-aid, which as you said can be re-traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why
2: I like EFT. It keeps it super gentle and you shouldn't feel re-traumatized. It should be super gentle. I definitely re-traumatized people when I first got started and wasn't really trained in the trauma techniques.
0: It's all a process, <laughs> you know. We all have to learn and and grow, but Exactly. I'm just sitting here imagining I could probably tap from the time I woke up in the morning till the time I went to bed (laughs) every night. Where does it end? You know, it kind of reminds me of Reiki, right? People learn Reiki and they're like, well, gosh, you know, we have all these techniques, but just the energy itself. It's like, I should Reiki my breakfast, Reiki my water, Reiki before I get out of bed, (laughs) Reiki this, Reiki that. And Tapping seems very similar to me in that regard. I mean, my goodness, you could really tap 24-7.
2: You definitely could. But there's this beautiful thing called the generalization effect that I teach people. It's a brain thing. I think about it like, okay, you could tap on a million things. It would take you many lifetimes to tap through childhood wounding. but pretend you'd like categorize those woundings into categories like a filing cabinet okay all the money things all the not enough things and all the things that made me afraid of public speaking just an example if you tap on one or two really significant memories from each folder it kind of like domino affect the rest of them so it's called the generalization effect because your brain generalizes in trauma Say, I pass out public speaking, and then for the rest of my life, I'm traumatized that it's going to happen. It generalizes, right? Like you're going to faint and have an awful public speaking experience every time. So it generalizes in a bad way, but it generalizes in our healing. So if I go work on one event that was really bad, it'll generalize and go, Oh, and my key takeaway is, Oh, it's over now, or my life is very different now, or I can have grace for myself now. It'll generalize that across all events. I think about it like email or like tags. So if I tag this, it'll tag all related things. So if I tag with like, oh, I can feel safe, even though that happened, or that was just one middle school boyfriend who cheated on me. It's not all men are <laughs> cheaters. So if I work on the one time I was cheated on, that was super emotional I'll go. Oh, that was just one guy, and there's actually a lot of red flags. And if I actually trusted my intuition, I would have known that anyway. My husband now, my partner now, my guy friends now—they're so different than him. We generalize in the good way too. If we so, you could tap all the time, but I would say <laughs> you don't have to. Right. Generalization <laughs> effect has <pass> your back.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I'm sitting here thinking. Oh, what words could I use? All the times and ways I've ever been silenced, you know, meaning past lives, this lives, inner child. Cause I'm trying to be a multitasker here, but it's good to know that maybe I don't have to be so worried about netting them all together like that.
2: Completely. You're good. I do tap I do tap like every day. I tap like every day, but it becomes fun tapping. When you want to do your deep dives, you can do your
1: deep dives. So, Right. Yeah. Jackie, I'm curious, what does someone who comes to you for a session, what does a session with you look like when they come in and let's just say it's an EFT session? What, what does that involve? It's
2: probably like yours or every session looks, can look completely different, but there is a, a flow that has emerged. And the flow is usually people come with something that's triggering them now in the present. So I work a lot with anxiety or people pleasing or self worth so you know maybe they're a practitioner and they want they want to be able to make money doing what they love right that's like the surface thing but they feel guilty charging more so we're really looking at like okay what if we could charge a little bit more so you actually can have a career of this but you don't feel guilty so that's like the surface thing and we might just tap on with tapping works really well with specific events so a lot of the session And like Andrea was talking about, like what a practitioner does will really help you get focused because you could tap for hours on, I feel guilty charging. And it doesn't really make a dent because that vagueness is a way to distract yourself from the real emotional pain. your practitioner, a good practitioner will help you get focused. So like, what client are you imagining that's going to make you feel most guilty? And suddenly you go, I feel guilty charging to the single mother. Who's an artist who has done so much for me? She wants sessions. So now all of a sudden your guilt goes from three to like 12. (laughs) And what you're doing is, I'm not trying to like torture people, but I am trying to poke the bear a little bit. It's the discomfort that you're wanting to work on. So let's kind of turn up the volume on that discomfort a bit so we can really tap on it. So we'll find a specific moment. That really brings up the guilt or the anxiety, and maybe we'll just do one or two rounds on it. But then I'll say, like, what does this remind you of? If they're really tuned into their body, I'll be like, ask that part of you, how old are you? Whose voice is this that says you should feel guilty? Charging some of the state, and they might go back. Then they, we go back to a past event. And the majority of the session is we're working on a past event when they learned to believe that, or when they first you know internalize that feeling. So in that example then we would spend time on an event where maybe their mom was struggling with something and they felt really guilty. How could people like not be supportive of her? Or any of the any past events. So and when you're tapping your own it might be vague like oh my mom gave and gave and gave and maybe now we don't let ourselves take from whatever the pattern might be. So you might be tapping vaguely, but that practitioner again will get really focused. Like, can you remember a specific event? And then we'll we'll tap we'll tap through that. And if it's a really big trauma, we'll do gentle techniques and bring in some resources and safety and tap through that. That could take like 30 minutes to go through every little aspect from like words your mom said to the facial expression or the tone of voice she had when she was upset, until you can hear her tone of voice, see her facial expression, and really feel a sense of calm oh, I can just hold space for this moment instead of feeling like in it or triggered by it. And what's beautiful is then at the end of the session, we go back and say, how do you feel now when you think of that phone ringing and someone asking you your rates? And suddenly they feel like, oh, I can just tell them. It's not personal, it's just my rates. I have three kids to beat, you know? So it's amazing when you do the password, you come back and feel different. And sometimes we spend 15 minutes kind of closing it out and Tapping on any loose ends there, and we'll do like really empowered tapping at the end of the session. Even though I still feel kind of guilty, I choose to say it as if it was Kathleen saying her rate. Right. She deserves that rate. Right. She does so much work. Even though there's a part of me where I there's some things to work on here, I choose to just practice saying it with gratitude. This is what I charge. This is an exchange. So usually at the end, I'll say like, in an ideal world, how do you want to feel in this moment? How do you want to show up? How do you want to hold yourself? And we'll craft that into like a statement. And we'll, we'll tap and say that we'll honor any lingering parts of themselves, but then just hold space for that really empowered side. The EFT is cognitive behavioral therapy, mixed with exposure therapy. So we're exposing you to the trigger. And cognitive behavioral is How do I want to show up to the trigger? So like, even though I feel anxious, I choose to act brave. How do I want to behave even though I feel a certain way? So even though I feel guilty, I choose to charge this rate in honor of my daughter who wants to take ballet classes and I have to afford those ballet classes. So it's like, I feel and think a certain way, but I want to behave a certain way moving forward. That's where that cognitive behavioral really comes into handy because it no longer feels like a lie because we've done the deep work. And I really recommend people do long-term sessions, not long-term, but at least like three or four, because you really want to have space to honor those past past wounds.
0: It sounds like in a session, people can really go to some places that would perhaps be quite painful. So I like that. You end the session by the loose ends and the empowerment, and whatever, so that when you're finished with the session, they can leave with confidence, perhaps, and feeling as though, you know, there was some things reconciled there and not left open. I'm curious, Jackie, for people who may not have known that much about tapping or maybe had known and have a, a reignited interest in it. Are there things that they might try on their own after listening to this episode that might be able to help them to, and also maybe carry them a little bit into the EFT world?
2: Totally. So I'm glad we talked about that gentle form of tapping, because that's something that I recommend anyone can start with. So no matter what you're dealing with, anxiety, insecurity, anger, (laughs) annoyance at someone, Drop out of your head and whatever that word is and into your body and just ask, how does that feel? Like, how do I know I'm frustrated or how do I know I'm anxious and find that sensation? You can tap for a few minutes as you just breathe in and out of that sensation. And that's like a super safe technique. And it's a super effective technique and you don't have to use even words. So anxiety, don't tap on your anxiety, tap on that heavy, black, golf ball size knot in your throat for a few minutes and you will notice that knot start to open up and change. And if you want to put words to it and you're like me and you like need a whole formula, I'm like am I doing it right? You can just tap the side of the hand and say like even though I have this sensation in my body, I have compassion for myself. And then just tap through the points as you describe the sensation, so like black golf ball pit. But that is something you could do every day. I recommend that as, as you wind down from work, we all have like a motion that comes up from the day. And just, as you close that laptop, just tune in, like, how am I feeling? And what feeling do I not want to take into my dinner or family time? And just tune into the sensation and and just do a a few rounds like that. Even though I have the sensation, I have compassion for myself, or I choose to give myself grace, or I choose to best self intention here. And just tap through the face points as you breathe in and out and focus on that sensation. That's a good one. And then my favorite morning one, okay, do a morning one, is you can just like look at your to do list or like look at your upcoming day and acknowledge how you feel about it and acknowledge how you want to feel about it. Even though I'm feeling blank about blank, even though I'm feeling overwhelmed by my to do list, or even though I'm feeling scared about this meeting, I choose to show up as my best self. If that feels like a lie, you can phrase it like this. I'm open to being surprised at how I can show up as my best self anyway. So Even though I feel like, what if I showed up as my best self somehow? (laughs) So you can phrase it as a question. That's a great morning one. So acknowledge how you're feeling. Don't sugarcoat it or bypass it. Acknowledge it, but then make a choice. Even though I feel this way, what if I
0: showed up Differently.
2: What if I showed up as my best self? And that—that's—that's that's like a cognitive behavioral kind of tapping. Yeah, that's what I would recommend.
0: Wonderful.
2: And I have like scripts, and that, yeah, people can always reach out for like a resource on that. You can find things like this written down. You can find tapping scripts. Um, there's so many resources if you want like a little bit more handholding, which I think is really good for beginners to have someone guide them. There's so many videos and things.
0: And can they find out more information on your website, Jackie?
2: Yes, totally. So my, you can always find me on my name, com. I know that's hard to spell. So practiceMakesPeace.com takes you to the same place. And I do have like a pop-up window will come up and it says EFT for anxiety. That will be like my favorite daily tapping meditation. And you can just get that for free. So people can find me there. And I have like dozens of EFT meditations recorded that they can find on my website.
0: Oh, fantastic. Wonderful. And we'll of course have the links to your website down in the show notes. And it's gone so fast, Jackie. We are just thrilled that you could have been here, but I think we've just barely glimpsed the top of the iceberg on this one. But thank you so much for being here with us. My journalist brain's like, I have so many questions I want to ask you,
2: but thank you for having me here. It's like so great to talk to people who are on the same wavelength.
0: Right. Yeah. Like minds. There's such power in being together.
2: Thank you. Well, we should connect in the future. Um, and if anyone has questions, they can send them my way.
0: But yeah, it's been a pleasure.
1: All right, Jackie, you take good care. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks to you. The podcast has grown very popular and we're making some changes behind the scenes and some that you'll hear in the show. Advertising is one of those changes, but please know we are making conscious choices about future ads and sponsorships because we want to add value to your listening experience. We'll be carefully selecting products and services we believe can be helpful to you. And if you're interested in advertising your product or service on the show, please reach out through a new page on our website called Advertise. There's also a link in the show notes to help you find it. We are excited about these opportunities and, as always, want to thank you for your ongoing support and feedback. We thank you again for joining us. And, of course, we invite you to join us next time as we journey beyond the Reiki Gateway with Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy.